Hey guys, welcome to Rooted and Logos episode 42. Brad here again, wanted to give you one more heads up before we start the episode on obscure Bible stories. So as you know, the past couple weeks, we have had some issues with our recording. It'll speed up, it'll cut parts out, it'll make it sound like really bad editing on my part. And this week is no different. I have been talking to tech support all week, trying to figure out what's going on through process of elimination. We actually think, as I was editing this episode, I actually think I figured it out. I actually talked to the tech support for the recorder that we use to record our podcast, and they believe it's a bad SD card. They told me to test it. that It failed the test. So I think we have pinpointed the issue. So I will buy a new SD card, put it in here, and I am hoping and praying that on our next episode, when we tackle Romans chapter 11, we won't have the issues that we've had the last few weeks. So again, I apologize. Bear with us. You're going to hear 12 inspiring verses, and it cuts out two of them. So there's only going to be 10 inspiring verses. I apologize for that, but it cuts out two. I had to get rid of those because they didn't make any sense because it cut out the vast majority of the verse. So bear with us. Hopefully this is the last time you have to, we have to deal with this. I'm so sorry for the lack of quality in this, but we will get this figured out. Guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. We had a lot of fun recording and a lot of laughs. We don't take ourselves super seriously on this one, so enjoy it. Please interact with us. We will see you guys soon. And again, enjoy episode 42. Welcome back, guys. Episode 42 of the Rooted in Logos podcast. My name is Brad. I am joined, as always, by my dear friend and co-conspirator, Austin. Austin, how's it going, buddy? Going pretty good. It's been a long week. How about yourself? It's not too bad. School's a little overwhelming right now, but uh, we're all right. Keeping head just barely above water. <laughs> I can breathe a little bit. We're doing all right. Hanging in there. Only got a couple weeks left and get a nice little break. That's for Christmas. Year's almost over. Yeah, it really is. It's insane. <sighs> Man. We are deep into the Christmas season, mm-hmm. getting closer by the day, getting the parties. So, we're, uh, things are going well. Yeah. So, I, I wanted to address one thing, and I didn't think about this until about five seconds ago. So, Austin, bear with me. Oh, okay. Um, we have not had Carter on for an, a couple of episodes, a few episodes, actually, and um, I guess we have never really addressed it. We just kind of were like, man, he's not here. It's Austin and Brad. <laughs> but Carter decided just to take a step back for a little while, seemingly temporary, but you know, we're not sure where he's being led and what he's, you know, what he's being called to do. I know he's starting a new job and so his schedule is going to be a little different and there's a chance that he won't even be available to record for a little while. So yeah. he is still around. We did not kill him. Um, despite, he's not at the bottom of the stairs right, somewhere. He's, <laughs> Despite, you know, what people may think, no. Uh, no, he's he's still around. He still lives here. We're, everything's cool. He just uh, wanted to take a step back uh, just to kind of focus on some other things. So, he is still a part of us. There's a Carter-shaped hole that only he can fill. <laughs> anyway. And that's awkward. All right. So, <laughs> episode 42. Uh, today, we're going to just do another set of obscure Bible stories. We each have a few that we've kind of brought to the table, and I'm kind of excited about what we get into, just some stories that people aren't as familiar with. They're not taught from this pulpit very often. They're not, uh, 
you know, you don't hear them in a lot of Sunday school lessons and a lot of, you know, people don't do uh, sermon series or videotapes. Videotapes? How old am I? Uh, <laughs> Cassette tapes. They don't, they don't do eight tracks of them either. Uh, but, you know, your, your Tony Evans aren't putting the highlight a few of the funny ones. Or not funny. Ones that we find entertaining yeah. that people just are like, wait, that's in the Bible? Oh, um, yeah. Or it's like, oh, I kind of remember that. Like, I read that five years ago. Yeah. Well, remind you. Yeah. So, we're going to do that. But but first, Austin, I, I want to rant about a couple of things, oh, no. if, if that's okay. Um, I got three stories that just really bother me. So, um, pick A, B, or C, and I'll tell you which one we start with. Let's go B. Go B. All right. So, we're going to start with the Chicago bathroom situation. Oh, great. Not another one. Another one. Um, <clears throat> so, the Chicago school board in all their infinite wisdom and inclusiveness and whatever, have decided to, in all schools, all Chicago public schools, make every single bathroom, every single bathroom, gender neutral. Hmm. You are now allowed to use whatever bathroom you want to use in Chicago schools, elementary through high school. Oh, golly. So I wonder when this uptick of you know sexual assaults are going to start happening here. It's amazing to me how, and I don't know if you followed the news much at all, but you had the Loudoun County situation in Virginia where this kid allegedly sexually assaulted a girl. They don't kick him out. They just move him to a different school, and he allegedly does it again. Again, yeah. All right, and, and the Loudoun County School Board knew about it. The superintendent knew about it. The superintendent has since resigned. So fresh off the heels of that, Chicago's like, no, we're going to double down. And we're going to put, let boys go into whatever restroom they want, let girls go into whatever restroom they want. Yeah. Doesn't matter. They have new signage. There's a video, and I didn't pull the video up because I didn't want to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> of the superintendent of, of inclusiveness and diversity, whatever made up oh, position they have in the school sure. board. And the associate superintendent of diversity and inclusion or whatever the nonsense is. Yeah. Just proud. Just so proud of their decision to do this, of how inclusive they're being, and how... small step for man. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is just another moment where I say, get your kids out of public schools if you can. If you can, do it. And and I think at this point, honestly, it's worth worth whatever sacrifice has to be made. Financially, job-wise, whatever. Yeah. It's almost... I think, to me, it's worth it. It's worth it. Because these kids are getting indoctrinated into... This way of thinking that, oh, I feel like a boy today, so I'm a boy now. But tomorrow I might feel like a girl, so I'm going to be a girl. Yeah. And a lot of these school districts are making it illegal or against policy to correct the child. And to say, no, Johnny, you are a boy. Or no, Sally, you are a girl. That's not allowed. You have to affirm them. You have to say, oh, of course you are, sweetheart. Oh, my goodness. And then once they do that, they don't have to tell the parents. I just, well, and most of these schools aren't even telling their parents. They're just... Because like, they don't have to. Exactly, they don't have to. By law, they don't have to, which infuriates me. And again, looking at, you know, children the way Emily and I do is they're they're the most important thing besides, you know, our relationship with Christ. Emily comes first and then kids, but we're raising souls. Yeah. These are souls, not just people. If if you can grasp that. I mean, I went, I went to Christian school K-12. K- same school, kindergarten through 12th grade. And 
I know that there are people that I went to school with that if they had the opportunity as guys to go into the girls' bathroom and use the girls' bathroom, they would do it. They would just say, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm a girl. Oh, or yeah. I just feel more comfortable in the girls' restroom. Right. But now there's not even a boy. I mean, I just want you to understand this. There's not a boys' and girls' restroom in those in those schools anymore. There are not a boys' restroom, girls' restroom. They are all gender neutral. Yeah. Every single restroom is open to any one period. You completely took the choice away from all the other kids that would have wanted to placate the three or four exactly. <laughs> that are in that school maybe yeah. maybe although it is obviously a growing trend because it's the popular thing to do right now yeah well and all these kids are being brainwashed so it's probably the majority yeah so i don't know that one annoyed me <laughs> thanks for uh getting my blood pressure up there Hoss. well here we go <laughs> a or c <laughs> oh man uh, c c all right so c i i just want to talk about Omicron? 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 Decepticon. Decepticon, Megatron, whatever it is. <laughs> it's bad. This new deadly variant of the COVID vac- uh, COVID-19. This new just mutant monster that is out to get your children and your old people. Here's the only reason why I'm bringing this up. And, and, and this came because I was listening to a different podcast, uh, I think today at work. And... The Bible tells us that, that God did not give us a spirit of fear and, and did not give us a spirit to live in fear. Like, we are not to live in fear. He says to be anxious about nothing but in everything in prayer and supplication. Bring your, you know, bring your request to the Lord. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That includes anxiety. That includes fear. Because fear and anxiety, being fearful and being anxious all the time wears you out and exhausts you. And it just does. It's horrible for your health. I mean, there's data that says that one of the biggest risk factors for COVID-19 is anxiety because it weakens your immune system to the point where the COVID-19 can get in there and, and do what it does. Yeah. So I, I say this, first of all, political side of things, there's always going to be another variant. It's never going to end. Yep. Look at the flu. The, the more control they can take, the more fear they can instill in you, the, the, the tighter the reins get. You have Germany coming out with covid anti-vaccination lockdown. So anyone who's not vaccinated can only go to certain places at certain times. You have Australia that have COVID concentration camps. They don't call them that. People who cough COVID or have been exposed to COVID. Oh, but they're voluntary. Okay, so two kids escaped. This isn't prison. This isn't kids trying to escape a, a, a juvenile detention center. They're trying to escape this place they've been forced into by no fault of their own. Yep. And they got arrested because they escaped. It is not voluntary. That's not voluntary. Yeah. Then you have California, and I can't remember which county it was, but California that has instituted a mask mandate for your in, for inside your own house. Oh my goodness. You are to wear masks indoors at all times, including inside your home. Call me a conspiracy theorist. Call me whatever you want to call me, a COVID denier, an anti-vaxxer, whatever you want to call me. This is real. This is serious. This is not some... Oh, I disagree with how high the taxes are right now. Right. Or I disagree with how high gas prices are. It's not what this yeah, is. This isn't tax reform, tax debate, whatever. This Welfare, is, nothing. This is freedom or not. Yeah. And it's only getting worse. Yeah. You know, New York governor today, or no, the mayor, de Blasio, put out a vaccine mandate for children 5 to 11. Oh. They have to show proof of vaccination to enter a restaurant, gym, or movie theater, or really anywhere indoors. Oh. It's real. And, and, and you laugh and you say, well, this won't happen here. It is happening here. Yeah. Flip to the spiritual side of things. 
as believers, as Christians, I'm talking to you who profess faith in Christ. Look, we can have difference of opinions on how serious COVID-19 is, on how serious this thing is. I, for one, for the mission part, don't think it's that serious with the few exceptions. If you have these underlying conditions, if you're morbidly obese, if you're old, then yeah, maybe it is pretty serious for you if you get it. But we are not to live in a spirit of fear. We're not to live afraid of our own shadows, afraid to leave our house, afraid to go out into the world, to, to fellowship with fellow believers, to, to be with our families. We're not supposed to live like that. When we, when we have Christ in our hearts and in our lives, what, what does death have over us? Even if COVID-19 was the scariest thing in the world and was the most dangerous thing in the world and had killed hundreds of millions of people, what does death have over us? Yeah. Oh, death, where is your sting? We are not to live in a spirit of fear. And it goes back to scripture. You have to go back to the word all the time. It's if you truly believe in the word, it says that God has numbered our days. Literally, there is nothing you can do that will offset what God has already planned for you. Right. And as Christians, if we believe that, we have to keep going with our life. As well, if you are sitting looking at your TV screen watching a sermon and that is how you're getting your church, you're wrong. Agreed. Do not forsake the gathering of fellow believers. And Agreed. that's not, you get together with maybe one here, one there. No, that's church. Right. You are gathering with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, meeting together, communing with each other in God. That's if your your family are Christians. That's awesome. That's great. But it's talking about more than that. So you need to be getting together with your church, with your fellow believers, and just because a pandemic hits doesn't mean that the Great, great Commission takes a, a, a sidestep. Right. You are still commanded to go forth and preach the word of God to these people. Every every nation out there, we are still supposed to reach them. Doesn't matter if COVID's hit or not, or if the Black Plague comes back. Right. We are still meant to do that. We are meant to take care of our neighbors. We are meant to do these things. Just because this hits doesn't mean you're like, oh, well, God wants us to use discernment. And wants and us. lock ourselves in our house. Exactly. No, yeah. no, that's that's, that's contrary to scripture. It, you know, I I gave me personally, I gave it the two weeks that when this whole thing started, I gave it the two weeks. I was like, maybe this is pretty serious. None of us had ever really heard anything like this before. Just as we've learned more and more about what this virus is, what it does, who it affects, who it doesn't affect, so on and so forth, it's clear how political this is. It's clear how much this is about government control. It's about government keeping us in a constant state of crisis and fear. I think partially to, to again, keep us on this from whatever else is going on on the other side. Over here. Hey, look at this hand. Don't look at this one. That's biblical, too. <laughs> so, I, I just... I'm losing patience with Christians who are terrified of this thing. I, I really am, and I'm trying not to, because I understand there are things I'm afraid of, or things that make me anxious that maybe I shouldn't be. Like, I get it. But also, at the same time, let's go. Yep. Live your life. I'm not even talking about get the vaccine, not get the vaccine. I don't care. Stop living in a state of fear. Yep. Stop letting these people control what you do on a daily basis and where you go and who you're with and who you're around. Yep. And at this point, like we need to start standing up and, and making some sort of effort to fight this. Well, it comes back to do you trust God or not? Right. And, and I say that, and I know how hard that is, to, especially with kids, you know. Forget COVID, just other sicknesses. Um, I, we hate it. Of course. Um, being in the emergency room the first year of uh, Felicity's life, we were there three times in a year for her. And so, I hate sickness. 
but it is, do you trust the king of the universe to know what he's doing? And if you say yes, but you say, but then no, then you don't. Right. And and again, I do want to preface it is, it is really hard to say. It's easy to say, I trust him versus actually backing. Of course. Of course. And, and, I'm not an anti-medical person. I'm not an anti-medicine person. I'm not even an anti-vaccination person at this point, although I'm moving more in that direction, but I'm not quite there. I use what we know from Scripture and let that guide how we respond to things. Yes. And this constant fear of this mythical, or not mythical, because it's a real virus, but this constant fear of this scary, scary flu that's out there is crippling the church. Yes. And it's it's crippling churches. And it's dividing. And it's dividing. And it's doing exactly what Satan meant for it to do. Yep. Honestly. We're, we're not all of us, and not all churches, not all Christians, but a lot of your mainstream Christ, uh, mainstream churches, a lot of your nominal Christians are letting him win. Yes. And, and I, we need... Uh, my patience is growing thin. Well, again, that was the reason why we wanted to do this. For, uh, for me, it was, that was the big one, to wake up these already professing believers, wake them up and get them looking deeper into these things. Right. And discernment comes from God. He gives us that. But there are, there are, you need to be able to look at it and say, okay, is this discernment or is this but how, stu- how stupidity? Do, and not only that, like, how do we gain knowledge in, in situations? We study, we read. How do we gain knowledge in God? We study, we read his word. Yeah. I mean, you're not... There's a reason why you go to a, a doctor or a therapist or a counselor and they have just walls and walls of books. The good ones have read 90% of what's on their shelves. Yep. And that's hundreds and thousands of books. I mean, they read. They constantly learn. They, why is that not the same way with us as Christians? Why are we not the same way? Why are we not constantly reading? Trying to dig in not only to the word, but reading commentaries, reading, you know, different educational books on these topics and what we should be doing. Even as the person not in school for it or not in ministry, I I don't care. Mechanic, plumber, doctor, lawyer, I don't care. You need to be digging into the Word and and learning what the Bible says about the situations that we're in right now. Well, if you have a Bible and you're not reading it daily, shame on you. Because you have a completed Word of God in your hands that people a thousand years ago probably would have killed for. Right. Uh, people today still will. Yeah. You look at the ministry our church is is working through with Matthew 4-4 Ministries. Shout out to Matthew 4-4 Ministries. Look them up. Their whole purpose is to give Bibles to those who have a hard time getting access to them. Yeah. And we see the videos coming back from these countries where we are sending these Bibles to them. They're thrilled. They're ecstatic. They cannot contain their joy. Because they got a, a Bible that uh, I made the little a little joke to Austin today about buying Bibles online because they're on sale. I have seventeen Bibles, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. I don't really know exactly how many I have, yeah. but it's probably not a bit much of an exaggeration to say I have seventeen Bibles and I use two of them. Yep. Like it's not. It is so easy to get here in America, here in the states, that we we forget that. So you're exactly right, and shame on me for not reading every day when I when I go through spells where I don't. Mm-hmm. And and shame on shame on you if you don't either. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, definitely. That is what is going to get us through the nonsense that we're in right now. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> rant two down. Actually, the third one's not really so much a rant. Third third one is actually maybe a little more hopeful, okay. and that is the the, I mean the huge Supreme Court case that's going on right now yeah. that that bans abortions after fifteen weeks. Well, why fifteen weeks? Uh, here here's what it does. 
if they uphold that law in, in Mississippi, heck, even if they uphold part of that law in Mississippi, and, and, and maybe that might kind of where this ends up, they dismantle some of it but keep parts of it, depending on what they keep, they have set the precedent to overturn Roe v. Wade. Because Roe v. Wade says, well, abortion should, is abortion has to be federally legal up until the point of, um, no, 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 the point of viability. Sorry. The point oh. of valid, um, what did I just say? Viability. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which the med- the medical quote unquote experts say is anywhere between 20 and 24 weeks. Okay. So what this does, and, and, and it, ba- I don't know if you've done any reading on this. I don't know if you've been following this case at all. I've done a lot of reading on it um, because I'm very invested in this argument. It went really well for our side. Awesome. It went really well. Um, you had the line of questioning from the Supreme Court justices that really indicate that they they are seriously considering overturning Roe. Now, does that do away with abortion altogether? No. No. It doesn't. What it does essentially is it gives it back to the states. It gives the power back to each state to decide. What I would think would happen, and this is just, again, this is not necessarily coming just from me. It's me reading some commentaries and reading some opinions on, on and even some lawyers that have on constitutional law and stuff like that. What it essentially will do is probably about 20 states will uh, criminalize abortion altogether. Yeah. Sort of pro-abortion law on the books. Yep. Including your, um, you know what, I don't even care if you get mad at me for saying this, including your hell holes like California and Illinois and New York yep. will probably have, in New Jersey, yep. will probably have it up to birth. Yeah. I mean, they will still have barbaric and evil and vile laws on the books. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. But it... But it's a step. Yeah. It's a step in the right direction. It overturns one of the most egregiously decided cases in the history of our Supreme Court, going mm-hmm. back to the Dred Scott case. It, it's as bad as the Dred Scott case, that, well, that decision. It's making, you know, murdering babies legal. Six, 60 million. Yeah. Up into, uh, upwards yeah. of 60 million. So yeah. I say that because I, I really I want our listeners to, to pray hard over the next few months because it probably won't get a decision until summertime of next year yeah pray that we have five justices with the courage to do the right thing and really that's that's it because especially this day and age where it's guilty until proven innocent and mob mentality you know i'm sure any one of these justices will be facing death threats oh absolutely day daily and so it's just a matter of how gutsy do they want to get. So dive into that, though, guys. Like, honestly, look into that that case. There, there are justices that I think we can count on their vote to, to go the right way. I think Tom, Clarence Thomas has been very vocal about wanting to overturn Roe. Um, I, I think there are a few others that want to as well. You obviously have the and, and, and evil evil words about this and evil evil conversation about this and and this bodily autonomy. We won't get into that. I actually think we should do a topic or, or an episode one week on how to respond to certain arguments that the that the abortionists, that the pro-choice people put out there. Uh, there's a book that I'm going to pick up eventually that actually deals with that exact topic. How do you respond to these arguments of my body, my choice, the, it's a parasite, it's this, that, and the other. How can you respond to it? I can promise you it's a lot easier than you think it is. Um, yep. Because we have science on our side, especially now in 2021, we have science that confirms it is a new human being at the point of conception. But anyway, another topic. That's rant number three. (laughs) I am done with ranting. I apologize. That went 
about as long as I thought it would. <laughs> I was fired up today. But I'm going to transition this, and this is, again, one Austin doesn't know. I'm just throwing all kinds of surprises at you. Okay. Today. I'm going to transition to our... So, in case you've forgotten, our topic today <laughs> is we're going to just discuss a few obscure Bible stories. And I got this email today. I signed up for the Babylon Bee. Oh, yeah. Just because it cracks me up, some of the stuff they do. And they sent me this email with... And the headline is, The Babylon Bee Presents the 12 Most Inspiring Verses of the Bible. Oh, no. So I just want to keep... I want to preface this by saying a couple of things. One, this is satire, all right? (laughs) These verses are completely out of context, all right? This is a good transition to obscure Bible stories and stories that are a little off the wall. Okay. And they have these... um, You know, you see those posters, like the little kitty cat, and it says, hang in there, baby, or whatever. They put these... They put these on these inspirational posters, all right? It, it, it's quite quite funny. So here we go. I present to you the 12 most inspiring passages according of the Bible. According to Babylon Bee. According to the Babylon Bee. Okay. Again, this is satire. The Lord will afflict your knees and legs with painful boils that cannot be cured. That is Deuteronomy 28.35. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you see where we're going with this? Okay, yeah. All right. Exodus 23, verse 19. This is one that I might get tattooed. Here we go. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Yep. Next one. Job 10, 10. Do not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese. Luke 17, 32. Remember Lot's wife. Oh. <laughs> okay. I like that one because it's just, it's this really pretty background of like mountains and just this sunset and it's real pretty and just says, remember Lot's wife. Pillar of salt. <laughs> Again, just stand alone. These are... It's funny. I'm enjoying this. Luke 18, 11. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Okay. Song of Solomon. Your neck is like the Tower of David, constructed <laughs> in layers. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's my favorite. Uh, this actually doesn't give me the reference, but I, I should have looked it up. I didn't realize that. We actually talked about this last time we, we did this uh, obscure Bible stories topic. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. Yeah. That was it's inspirational. A couple, couple more here. Beware the tent pegs. <laughs> Second Chronicles 21, 18 through 19, a verse we can all live by. Here we go. After all this, the Lord afflicted Jeroam with the incurable disease of the bowels. In the course of time, at the end of the second year, his bowels came out because of the disease, and he died in great pain. Oh, dear Jesus. This one actually has three girls and it looks like like a desert with rolling mountains and hills, and they're just all hippified, putting the peace sign up. It's really funny. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Deuteronomy 28, 31. Your cow will be slaughtered before your eyes, but you will eat none of it. And finally, of the, the number 12 out of the 12 most inspirational... Passages according to the Babylon Bee. Oh God, shatter the teeth in their mouths. Song Psalm 58, verse 6. <laughs> Every time I go into battle, that's what I'm using. <laughs> oh God, shatter the teeth in their mouths. Not satire. If you want to know what the Bible really says, <laughs> read those in context. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the 12 most inspiring passages of scripture according to the Babylon Bee. So with that, as a great segue into our discussion. What are, Austin. We, what are we doing again? Yeah, I don't even know anymore. Austin, <laughs> let's dive into our obscure Bible stories. All right. So, uh, first one I have out of Acts. 
Acts. Acts. Yeah. Acts. Let me ask you a question. The Acts of the Apostles. (laughs) So this is chapter 10, and this is Peter. Uh, we're going to go through Peter's vision a little bit. So there's a there's a little bit here. So we'll just we'll, we'll we'll go until I decide to stop. I like it. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord. Came to him again in second time. What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, which is a little bit earlier in the chapter, if you guys want to know, go, go read it. Having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come in his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, and he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit any one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for you, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind kind enough to, to come. Now therefore, we all are here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. For you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who oppressed by the devil 
who all were oppressed by the devil, for God were witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So it's it's the story that that Peter is at this house, uh, Simon's house, the tanner, and God gives him a vision. Whereas four days earlier, or a few days earlier, this man, this centurion, this Roman centurion, Cornelius, is also praying to God. And God sends Cornelius an angel saying, hey, your prayers have been heard. Your, your alms to the poor have been remembered by God. I am going to send you somebody. Go, go get him. And so these men come, Peter goes with them, meets these people, and these people are Gentiles. They're not Jewish. And this vision that God gives him of all these animals coming down to earth saying, kill one and eat it, Peter saying, hey, uh, I've never eaten anything un- unclean in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm true. I'm true to the law. And God says, nothing that God has made is unclean or common. So, one, referring to, to people, so besides everything we've been, Jews are no longer the only chosen ones, but also the Gentiles. It also kicks back towards food. Back to the law where it says, you know, don't eat anything unclean. Uh, those with cloven hooves, so so pigs, stuff like that were unclean. Shellfish were unclean. Now, they're not. They're not unclean because anything that God has made is not unclean or uncommon. So, Peter goes here. He meets with them. He He's teaching them. He's talking about Christ. He's doing what he was supposed to do. So, yeah. I was I'm reading through Acts a couple months ago, and I, I went rent. Went through this one. I'm like, oh, I, I don't remember this one. So I thought it was yeah interesting. And you know, you hear that story referenced a fair amount when the discussion about uh, food, clean yeah. and unclean foods, kind of comes comes into play. You hear this story kind of referenced, but it's good to get it in a full context and understand exactly what happened in the story. So that's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. So I'm going to jump in to Genesis 38, and I'm going to do something I don't normally do now. If you've listened for a while or have listened to a lot of our episodes, you you may have heard our conversation about what types of Bibles are good and, and not good and translations and whatnot and so on and so forth. And um, we spent a fair amount of time saying that the message is kind of terrible. However, for this exercise today, I'm going to read this from the message. Oh, no. What? <laughs> so... Austin and I may have come at this a little differently uh, in just our approach to this. I do think we both take this very seriously because I do think it is important for us as believers to read the entirety of Scripture and to know what's in it and to know these stories. And everything in Scripture is in there for a reason. Even your quote-unquote boring genealogies, all right? They're there for a reason. There is a reason why they're there. There might be some of them. I don't know what that reason is, but there is a reason that God put these stories in here. So Austin and I both are like, let's just give shed some light on these stories that are less commonly d- discussed and talked about. And we've said that before. But I don't like the message. I'm going to read this out of the message because I just, I find some of these stories fascinating. And sometimes when you read 
in a translation like the English Standard, which is what I typically read out of, and I think it's what you read out of just now, yeah. it can get a little muddy when you're just trying to get the story across, right? And so you got to kind of d- dive in. So I just want to read it out of the message, just because it is a paraphrase in language. Austin may be mad at me for doing this. <laughs> I'm waiting to see what it sounds like. <laughs> but we're going to go Genesis 38, and I encourage you to read this in a real version of the Bible, not the message. I encourage you to read this story and ask yourself why it's in there and what it is. But it's the story of Tamar. All right. So here we go. Genesis chapter 38, the story of Tamar. And I just want you to know, too, full disclosure, I am doing this online because I do not own a message Bible. I want that (laughs) to be very clear to our listeners. I do not own a message Bible. All right. Sorry. A message paraphrase of the Bible. So, are we clear on that? We're good. We're good. (laughs) So, here we go. Uh, Genesis chapter 38. About that time, Judah separated from his brothers and went to stay with a man in Adullam named Hira. While there, Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite named Shua. He married her. They went to bed. She became pregnant and had a son named Ur. She got pregnant again and had a son named Onan. She had still another son and and she named him Shelah. They were living in Kezib when she had them. Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn. Her name was Tamar. But Judah's firstborn, Ur, grievously offended God, and God took his life. Just so you know. It can happen. It can happen. Sometimes I kind of wish it would happen a little more than it does. <laughs> that might be sinful of me, but <laughs> this is a, we're an honest people here. <laughs> All right. So Judah told Onan, Go and sleep with your brother's widow. It is the duty of a brother-in-law to keep your brother's line alive. Brother's widow, he spilled his semen on the ground so he wouldn't produce a child for his brother. God was much offended by what he did and also took his life. So just to set the scene here, in back in the back in the Old Testament days, and even in the, some of the New Testament, when a when a woman lost her husband, the sibling of that uh, of the man who died if he's around, is supposed to take him, take her as his wife to keep that line going, because family lineage is so important in the Jewish culture. And Ur was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm not doing it. So he, you know, did what he had to do to keep from getting her pregnant. And God struck him down as well after, you know, after disobeying him and, and not doing what, what was required of him. So Judah stepped in and told his daughter-in-law Tamar, Live as a widow at home with your father until my son Shayla grows up. He was worried that Shayla would also end up dead, just like his brothers, so Tamar went to live with her father. Time passed, Judah's wife, Shua's daughter, died. When the time of mourning was over, Judah, with his friend Hira of Agilim, went to Timah for the sheep shearing. Tamar was told, your father-in-law has gone to Timah to shear his sheep. She took off her widow's clothes put on a veil to disguise herself, and sat at the entrance to Enium. While Sheila was grown up, she wasn't going to be married to him. Judah saw her and assumed she was a prostitute since she had veiled her face. He left the road and went over to her. He said, let me sleep with you. He had no idea that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, what will you pay me? I'll send you, he said, a kid goat from the flock. She said, not unless you give me a pledge until you send it. So what would you want in the way of a pledge? She said, your personal seal and cord and the staff you carry. She handed them over to her and slept with her, and she got pregnant. She left and went home. She removed her veil and put her widow's clothes back on. Judah sent the kid goat by his friend from Agilim to recover the pledge from the woman. 
but he couldn't find her. He asked the man of the place, where's the prostitute that used to sit by the road near Enium? They said, there's never been a prostitute here. He went back to Judah and said, I couldn't find her. The men there said there had never been a prostitute there. Judah said, let her have it then. If we keep looking, everyone will be poking fun at us. I kept my part of the bargain. I sent the kid goat, but you couldn't find her. Three months, late, three months or so later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law has been playing the whore. And now she's a pregnant whore. Judah yelled, get her here, burn her up. As they brought her out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I'm pregnant by the man who owns these things. Identify them, please. Who's the owner of the seal and cord and the staff? Judah saw that they were his, and he said, she is in the right, I am in the wrong. I wouldn't let her marry my son, Shelah. He never slept with her again. When her time came to give birth, it turned out that there were twins in her womb. And she was, as she was giving birth, one put his hand out. The midwife tied a red thread on his hand, saying, this one came out first. But then he pulled it back, and his brother came out. She said, oh, a breakout. So she named him Perez. Then his brother came out with the red thread on his hand. They named him Zerah. So that is the story of Tamar and Judah. And Ur, and Onan, and Shayla. Shayla? So, real quick, before I get into that, or before we kind of... How how different was it from from the ESV? I know you were reading along. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't too bad. Um, uh, misuse of words, using different words that are pretty important. But, I mean, uh, the, the basic gist is, is there. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I found that story... And I, I don't want to do more research, and I haven't done yeah. it, full disclosure, as to why that's in there. Like, right. what is the purpose of that story? But it's just, it's it's a story you would see on on, on a Netflix movie, honestly, right? It's a soap opera. It's a soap opera. Oh, yeah. absolutely a soap opera. <laughs> well, I mean... It's, you know, ripped from the young and the restless, right? <laughs> well, in, in time span, too. This is before uh, Joseph goes through all this stuff with Potter's first wife, He get before he gets put in prison. So... Joseph is in Egypt at this time. His his brothers sold him into slavery. And, and Judah's one of his brothers. Judah's yeah. his... It's the fourth oldest. It is. It's just a, a scandalous story that, that we don't tend to preach and we don't tend to talk about. I mean, the, this woman just has the worst of... It, well, I don't like saying this phrase, but the worst of luck, right? Oh, yeah. Like, she, her husband... Makes God angry. God God kills him. Uh, she is to marry Onan, the brother, as is custom in the Jewish culture at the time. He's like, well, I'm not going to get her pregnant. So God kills him. <laughs> so she's now <laughs> lost two husbands. The third son is not quite old enough to be married yet. I don't know really what that means and what that looks like, but not quite old enough. Yeah. So go home, live with your dad until he's old enough. Well, apparently she waited long enough and was like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. So she takes matters into her own hands, pretends to be a prostitute, seduces Judah, gets pregnant because of Judah, and basically, you know, waits a few months and then reveals herself to him and says, hey, you got me pregnant. And and based on context here, I'm assuming Judah took care of her at that point and, and did what was right after doing what was wrong, you know. And took care of her, and she gave birth to twins, and and they go from there. Now, now let me ask you this, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, because I, at full disclosure, I don't. 
do either Perez or Zara play much of a role moving forward in scripture? I, I don't really remember those names. Uh, I remember Perez, but not not much. Well, I, I'm I'm more looking at <laughs> Judah goes into this process. No, no mention of it was wrong. It he just did it, and it was fine. As in, like it was common practice. He looked over there was a prostitute. Oh, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over here for a little bit, <laughs> and nothing, not nothing like not. Not a second thought, not a, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this. Yeah. Yeah, it's a normal Thursday night. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, there's there's that. I just... just, (laughs) But then, yeah, it comes down to, okay. Uh, And she was being brought out. She sent word to her father-in-law by the man, to whom these belong, I am pregnant. And she said, please identify whose these are, the signet and the cord and the staff. Then Judah identified them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I did not give her to my son, Shalah. And he did not know her again. Of course not. But, oh yeah, that was my fault. Never mind, she's more righteous than I. (laughs) I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah, things in scripture that we just, I just don't. We overlook, yeah. I don't even understand. Yeah. I'm like even doing like research and stuff on this. I this is one of those God has it there for a reason like you said. It's like, okay. Okay, Lord. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if nothing else, cool maybe, story, it, man. Cool story. Why is it in there? We we don't really know. Yeah. At the very least, it it shows us the depravity of man again, another example of that. Yeah, true. Yeah. But that, you know, I think is is this the verse that when talking about Onan, and not to get too graphic, but how he... It's a verse that people use to... Say it's okay? Or say that it's not okay to... Okay, for uh, <laughs> children in the, yeah. the room, parents... Earmuffs. I'll, I'll give you a quick second. Yeah, earmuffs. Three, two, one, okay. <laughs> so is is this the one of the verses used against self-pleasure? That, um, that More so, I think it's used for, okay... It, in a relationship, going to that really, really far side of, um, you know, no using contraceptives, no using anything at all. It is 100%. You're leaving it up to God. And pulling out and spilling your seed on the ground, you are saying, I don't trust you, God. Okay. And um, that's going towards the argument of you are not allowed to do that because you are taking your own family planning, as people would call it today, into your hands instead of saying, no, God is actually the one who makes this person, not you. Right. Um, I don't really see it as the self-pleasure aspect of it. I just, I remember there was, there was a, there's a verse somewhere, maybe it's, maybe it's in another place where it talks about onto the floor, spilling it onto the floor. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's in a different spot. But. I think, yeah, I think that is, uh, we'll have to look that one up. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Children, earmuffs off. <laughs> We're back. We're back. Austin, next story. Yes. Second one I have is also Acts, but this is for Paul. So this is Acts chapter 16. Paul came also to Derb and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the prophets at Lystra in Iconium. 
Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Pergamum and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they told them. So passing by Mysia, they went to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Verse 11, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Napoleus, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. We remained in this city the riverside, where we were supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination, and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God! who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews, and they are distributing our, they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them in the rods, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. Trembling with fear, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. 
And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them in to his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household. And he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. This is my favorite. But Paul said to them, Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. So there's a lot in this chapter. Yeah, that a lot. I, I, I did the whole chapter because there were so many different things here. One being that mindset of God keeps us from going places when it is not yet time. God forbid them on a couple occasions from going into Asia, from going into um, uh, Bithynia. And it said Jesus did not allow them. So, one, Jesus had a different plan for them. God's, God's will was going somewhere else. It was going towards Lydia and her entire family and going towards the jailer and his entire family. Because both of them were saved and their entire families were saved. Um, Which arguably wouldn't have happened had God not diverted their path. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And God wanted them at this time purposefully. So, he made it happen. Um, Later, this, uh, it says, they met this girl who had... Basically, she was possessed. She had a demon. And the people who owned her were making copious amounts of money for her fortune telling. Mm. This girl being possessed is following Paul and Silas and Timothy around and yelling out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Which, it's true. I mean, she is spouting truth. But she's saying it in this less than savory way tone and way of whatever. And Paul, after several days of hearing this over and over and over again, finally it says, Paul, having become greatly annoyed, (laughs) turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out. And it came out of her that hour. Well, the people who owned her did not like that very much because there goes their money. Right. They, they get him, they take, take them to the, the magistrates or so on and so forth and say, hey, this person is spouting all these things that are contrary to Rome. And so they throw them both into jail. They beat them before they do so. Moving on to this next point. They're in the jail. They're, it's, it's midnight. They're singing hymns. They're, they're prophesying. And this earthquake, earthquake comes. It opens all the doors. And the jailer comes in. And he's terrified. He sees the doors. It's dark, so he can't see in them. But he has that f- that feeling of dread is, okay, I just lost my entire jail. Pulls his sword out. He's about to kill himself. Paul says, no. Because ultimately, if that had happened, 
the Roman punishment would have been much more severe than taking your own life. His entire family would probably be exactly, yeah. And so Paul says, "No, don't do that. We're all here. Everyone is here." So the the commander of the jail runs in, looks at Paul, now, and immediately he says, "What must I do to be saved?" Now you can only imagine he he's been hearing Paul. He's been hearing Silas prophesy to everyone in the jail, um, listening to them singing. And he knows. So he goes in, he says, what must I do to be saved? And they say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And it's very interesting because it says, then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So with him believing, Paul, Paul already knew by God that his entire household would, have, would, would be saved. Just amazing. So, he takes them out and he cleans their wounds. He takes care of them. He brings them out of the jail into his house, eating with his family. And Paul and Silas, they're just going at it. They're, they're soaking up the opportunity of professing Christ. And they're doing it. So, then the jailer takes them back, takes them back to jail. And then what happens? The magistrates come and say, hey, let him out. Let him go. And the commander of the jail goes to Paul and says, hey, they're letting you go. You're free. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Paul is a, a student of the law, okay? Mm-hmm. Not just Jewish law, but Roman law. He's a Roman citizen. And it was a big no-no for a Roman citizen to be beaten and publicly humiliated and put in jail without a trial, without anything. So Paul's like, no, let them know I'm a Roman citizen. They have to come out here and do it themselves. It says... Uh, having thrown us into prison, and do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. And it was reported to them, and it says the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. Why? Because if you do this to a Roman citizen, you were liable, and you, they could have been put right. to death. So they came down, they apologized to Paul and Silas. And then they, they went on their way. And they, they told him, don't come back. And Paul's like, fine. <laughs> I want to go back real quick to the you and your family, you and yes. your household. I, I think that illustrates the importance of the spiritual leadership that the husband has and the father has over his house. Yes. How, and I don't have the statistics readily available by any means, and, and, and you can look them up, but how the statistics on... When the when the father, when the husband is actively involved in the church, when the husband converts to Christianity, even maybe after the marriage or, or you know, before the wife does or whatever, the family follows the vast majority of the time. Yes. Where the husband goes, where the father goes, the family follows. Yes. In the vast majority of cases. Well, even... And, and it just shows the importance of... Men, lead your Leading. household, and, and men, be on your face before God. Be the example of what a Christian is, what a man of God is to your family, and they will follow. Yeah. They will follow. Well, and, and that's the difference here. I mean, with Lydia, before, and then we look at the jailer. Um, with Lydia, it says, The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, 
if you have judged me faithful, come and stay here. So basically, after she was baptized, then her family was baptized. So they, they followed suit. But with him, it was he believed, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So it is when he is saved, so are they. Why? Because they are following him. He is leading his family. And again, don't hear that as... Just because you are saved, your family your is going to be as well. Saved, that's right. not what that's saying. It, it is that, that is more so he did what he was supposed exactly. to do. He, he took what he heard. And I mean, just exhibit A, just a couple verses after, he took them out and brought them to his house immediately. So he literally did exactly what he was supposed to do. Right. He led his family. Yeah. Great story. Great application. I, I feel like... Again, we have approached this in a different way because I'm just finding these random stories that are um, um, entertaining to me. Oh, yeah. And you're going like deep and let's get <laughs> into the spiritual ramifications of this. And uh, But it's a good balance, I think. It's a good good balance because what I'm saying is not unscriptural. It's just I find it more entertaining yeah. than I do. <laughs> That's good. So, uh, so again... Full disclosure, I do not own a message Bible, but I am going to read oh, this story out of the message... Again, just for clarity's sake and for time's sake even of just explaining what's going on. Because it is the Old Testament and can get a little wordy. But I encourage you, please go back and read this in a real version of the Bible, in a real translation. And try and do your own research. Figure out why it's in there and what, what the moral behind the story is. I'm just going to tell the story because, again, this to me sounds like a movie. right? This to me sounds like something that could be on Netflix today. All right? We can make this movie. So this is comes this comes out of Numbers chapter sixteen, Numbers chapter sixteen. It is the story of Korah and the rebels. I'm gonna let Austin get there. All right, he's ready. Here we go. Roman uh, Romans. No Whoa. Numbers chapter sixteen. Tell you where we've been. <laughs> Number sixteen. Getting on his high horse one day, Korah, son of Izhar, the son of Koath the son of Lethan and Ibrahim, sons of Eliab, and On, son of Peleth, rebelled against Moses. He had with him 250 leaders of the congregation of Israel, prominent men with positions in the council. They came as a group and confronted Moses and Aaron, saying, You've overstepped yourself. This entire community is holy, and God is, on their, and God is in their midst. So why do you act like you're running the whole show? On hearing this, Moses threw himself face down on the ground. Then he addressed Korah and his gang. In the morning, God will make clear who is on his side, who is holy. God will take his stand with the one he chooses. Now, Korah, here's what I want you and your gang to do. Tomorrow, take censers in the presence of God, put fire in them, and then incense. Then we'll see who is holy, see whom God chooses. Sons of Levi, you've overstepped yourselves. Moses continued with Korah. Listen well now, sons of Levi. Isn't it enough for you that the God of Israel has selected you out of the congregation of Israel to bring you near him to serve in the ministries of the dwelling of God and to stand before the congregation to minister to them? He has brought you and all your brother Levites into his inner circle, and now you're grasping for the priesthood too? It's God you've ganged up against, not us. What do you have against Aaron that you are bad-mouthing him in the original language and the original text. Grumble. Grumble would be the one, the word we used. All right. Anyway, continuing. <laughs> Moses then ordered Dathan and Abram, sons of Eliab, to appear. 
but they said, we're not coming. Isn't it enough that you yanked us out of a land follow, flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? And now you keep trying to boss us around. Face it, you haven't produced. You haven't brought us into the land flowing with milk and honey, and you haven't given us the promised inheritance of fields and vineyards. You'd have to poke our eyes out to keep us from seeing what's going on. Forget it, we're not coming. Again, this is the message. Wow. I know. I know. Look at this. I know. <laughs> Again, it just I want to get the point of the story across. Okay. All right. <laughs> Moses' temper blazed white hot. He said to God, don't accept their grain offering. I haven't taken so much as a single donkey from them. I haven't hurt a single hair on their heads. Moses said to Korah, bring your people before God tomorrow. Appear there with them and Aaron. Have each man bring his censer filled with incense and present it to God, all 250 censers. And you and Aaron do the same. Bring your censers. So they all did it. They all brought their censers filled with fire and incense and stood at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Moses and Aaron did the same. It was Korah and his gang against Moses and Aaron at the entrance of the tent of meeting. The entire community could see the glory of God. God said to Moses and Aaron, separate yourselves from this congregation so that I can finish them off and be done with them. They threw themselves on their faces and said, O God, God of everything living, when one man sins, are you going to take it out on the whole community? God spoke to Moses, speak to Abraham. Moses got up and went to Dathan and Abraham. The leaders of Israel followed him. He then spoke to the community, back off from the tents of these bad men. Don't touch a thing that belongs to them, lest you be carried off on the flood of their sins. So they all backed away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abraham. Dathan and Abraham by now had come out and were standing at the entrance of their tents with their wives, children, and babies. Moses continued to address the community. This is how you'll know that it was God who sent me to do all these things and that it wasn't anything I cooked up on my own. If these men die a natural death like all the rest of us, you'll know it wasn't God who sent me. But if God does something unprecedented, if the ground opens up and swallows the lot of them, and they are pitched alive into Sheol, then you'll know that these men have been insolent with God. The words were hardly out of his mouth when the earth split open. Earth opened its mouth and in one gulp swallowed them down, the men and their families, all the human beings connected with Korah, along with everything they owned. And that was the end of them, pitched alive into Sheol. The earth closed up over them, and that was the last the community heard from them. At the sound of their cries, everyone ran around for dear life, shouting, We're about to be swallowed up alive! Then God sent lightning. The fire cremated the 250 men who were offering the incense. So, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> there's more, and, and, and there's more to that story. But again, just a unique story about God pouring out his wrath on disobedient people. And it, it that's what we deserve. Mm. We deserve to be treated the way Korah and his followers were treated. Korah and, and the three, um, uh, Dathan and Ab- uh, Abraham. Abraham, were swallowed up. I actually believe if you read it in the original, not in the original text, but if you read it in a legitimate translation of the Bible, it does seem to me they didn't die. They were swallowed up alive and thrown into hell. Alive. It doesn't say they died. That's what we deserve. Yeah. It really is. And, and, and I, I think this leads, should lead us to be thankful that we don't get what we deserve. That we don't suffer the wrath of God that 
he could very justly pour out upon us because we are sinful people. So again, I pointed that story out more so because again, just a very unique, a very unique setting, a very unique story. Something that I don't know if it happens again in Scripture, where the earth just opens up and swallows people alive because they were disobedient and came essentially stage a coup against the men of God that were leading Israel at the time. Again, I, I picked that story more so because it, it does feel like it would be a, a movie where men rebel against their leaders and God swallows them up in the earth and then lightning comes and just kills the rest of them that were in rebellion. Um, just a reminder of the power of God, the reminder that, that his, his standard is perfection, right? He demands obedience. Doesn't just say, well, if you feel like it, if it feels right to you, you should do what I say, or you should live by this if it makes you feel good, or pick and choose what I say, pick and choose my commandments, and pick and choose my morals and my laws. Pick and choose those. Yeah. It's not what it is. It is, <laughs> he demands obedience. And, and you know, thank, thank God we live in a time where there's mercy and grace, unlike anything we could experience in or, or imagine or deserve, or deserve. Oh, yeah. Because otherwise this would be our fate. Because the minute we say, I know more than you, no, you don't. <laughs> and that's it. You're done. You're gone. Like, <laughs> just just squished. <laughs> um, so those were, we each had a couple more, but we're getting a little long here on, on, the, on this episode. And um, again, I think the purpose of this was for me, at least, just to point out some stories that I find interesting little fascinating, but also to get you to think, why are they in there? Like, yeah. what's the purpose of these stories? So again, I read them from the message. I don't like the message. I read them there just for clarity's sake, for time's sake. Kind of keeps me from having to explain it a lot more than I did. Go back and read them. All right. So the first one was Numbers uh, 16. Second one was Genesis 38. Those are the two I did. Austin's were both in Acts. What were your references there? Uh, Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 16. So go back and read those yourselves. Read the context. Read before, read after. And try to, just this is your homework, try to figure out what's the purpose of that story? What is God showing us in, in these stories? What is God, how does it further his plan? How does it further his plan of salvation, his redemptive story that is all throughout Scripture? Because that's ultimately what Scripture is, right? It, it's the story of redemption. It's the story of God redeeming mankind. So... How do how do these stories that are seldom talked about? How do they relate to that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's something to I encourage y'all to do. I'm going to do it this week. I hope and uh, encourage you guys to do the same thing. So, um, Austin, anything to close us out? Any final thoughts? Final words? I'm ready for bed. Ready for bed. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. So, Acts twelve twenty three is the verse I want you guys to really. Just kind of let sink in this week as you go about your daily lives and, and start thinking about how you can let the scripture infiltrate your life. So Acts 12, 23 reads, and he was eaten by worms and died. So I just I want you to really ponder that verse and meditate on that this week as you go about <laughs> It's a true story. As you, it is a true story, but as you wait for Romans chapter eleven next week, uh <laughs> just chew on and meditate on Acts 12, 23. And uh, yeah. <laughs> it's good to figure out how you can apply it to your life. Anyway. <laughs> good times. 
Good times. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next Wednesday with uh, Romans chapter 11 and kind of dive back into that. And, and we kind of go every other week with Romans right now just until we get it finished. And we're going to, um, we have a little bit of a plan kind of moving forward and some topics we want to dive into. And it's going to be good times. Yeah, man. So uh, until we talk again next week, like us on Facebook, Instagram. Give us a five-star review on Apple if you are subscribed to Apple. Uh, hit subscribe on all the major podcast outlets. Download it. I mean, honestly, it, it matters if you listen, but it really matters if you download the episode. So just download the episode. Pretend you listened. I'm kidding. I really want you to listen. <laughs> but seriously, though, download the episode. Give us a five-star review. We would love that. Um, and we will be back next week. In the meantime, guys, stay, stay rooted. rooted. Thank you for listening to our show. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. You can find us on Apple, Google, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, at Rooted in Logos Pod, or even on our website, www.rootedinlogospod.com. And if you want to support us financially, visit us at patreon.com slash rootedinlogos. Logos.